BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On the latest installment of the Blackhawks Talk podcast, I am Pat Boyle, joined by Steve Conroy, Jamal Mayers, and Scott King this week. It's all about the NHL trade deadline. Did the guys like what the Hawks received for Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson? What's next for the team? A contract extension for Corey Crawford, or could they make another run at Robin Leonard this summer? It's all coming up on the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste, filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness, and packaged cold for peak refreshment, because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. So Stan Bowman made two moves on trade deadline day. The second one that he made was uh, just before the deadline at 2 o'clock in Chicago, dealing Robin Leonard to Vegas. Now, it was a three-team deal involving Toronto for cap reasons. In return, the Hawks get a second-round pick. They get 26-year-old and former first-round selection goalie Malcolm Subban and defenseman prospect Slava Demon. He's an offensive-minded D-man out of the University of Denver. Of course, Leonard played very well for the Hawks this season, but reports said extension talks with the Hawks and Leonard had stalled because the two sides were far apart on term. Although there was a report right after the trade deadline from Mark Lazarus saying that Leonard agreed to take a three-year deal because he loved it here in Chicago, but that the Hawks never made him an offer. Let's start with you, Steve. Just your thoughts on what the Hawks received in the Leonard trade. You know, if you'd have asked me a month ago what you'd receive for Robin Leonard, I, I would have told you probably a first-round pick. Um, at the time, he was, I'd say, a top-five goalie in the NHL. Uh, he and Corey Crawford were playing very well. I thought they were the best one-two punch in the NHL at that time. And then for whatever reason, and it probably started around the time he started talking about his contract, which he shouldn't have done. You know, that's that's what you hire an agent for. You let the agent take care of that. But, I mean, in fairness to him, he was asked about it. He was pressed. And I think he kind of got backed into a corner. And, you know, he, he probably started saying things he didn't want to say, like, you know, I'm not going to take a hometown discount. Um, you know, fans don't have to know that. But more importantly, the Blackhawks don't need to know that in the through the press. Uh, but that all being said, I think a month ago uh, he would have commanded a little more than he did uh, recently. So, you know, for, for, for that reason um, – and listen, a second-round pick isn't bad, and especially on a guy who's you know, basically an unrestricted free agent, and the Blackhawks could circle back and try and pick him up again. But uh, a month ago, I would have said uh, a first-rounder. Right about now, I'd say a second-rounder. And apparently, uh, this prospect uh, is okay. I mean, they've watched him a lot, watching Ian Mitchell uh, in college hockey, and uh, he could turn out to be a good one for the Blackhawks. You know, Steve brings up, Jammer, the uh, the decline in Leonard's play, his last three starts. And if you connect some of the dots, and again, you've got to take Elliot Friedman's report here, Drager's report, Athletic, 
the things we hear from different sources and kind of put them together. It appears that on the Western Canadian road trip, that's where Robin got word that they were far apart on term. Now, this was well after he said here in Chicago that he wasn't going to take a discount, that it was time for him to, to get paid. He didn't want to be overpaid, but he wanted fair market value. Do you think that hearing, you know, maybe from his camp that the Hawks and Leonard were far apart on term maybe affected his play down the stretch? And actually, as Stan was, was asked, maybe affected what you could yield on the open market. I think those are two fair points. I think that, it, to me, that's the job of the agent. Uh, really, sometimes you need to be not put in place necessarily, but brought back down, down to earth. And that's where they can bring some levity and some understanding. Because I think the goaltending market is a lot different than a defenseman and forward market in the sense that very few teams are in the market you can think of today that you can say, you know what, they can. Robin Leonard is an upgrade as a goaltender. They would replace their goaltender with Robin Leonard. Well, what are they going to do with their goalie now? They've made a commitment to their goalie. So the market for Robin Leonard is very limited. I think a lot of us were thinking perhaps Colorado was an option, Carolina was an option, um, the reality is that those options started to dwindle and get smaller and smaller. And I think Stan recognized that the, 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 that he had to jump on it and get the up, get the best possible um, because they were not going to be able to create, you know, a situation to have a contract done. And, and I, I give them credit. You stuck to your number. They made their determination whether that was they were going to stick at four years where and he wanted six. I give the – it's difficult to make those types of decisions. You stick to what you believe. You don't let emotion take over. And I, and for me, I think Stan made the right decision in, in having to let the player go and getting the best he can in return. Scott, your thoughts on, on the deal, uh, the Lazarus report afterwards, and, and do you think the door is closed? Could they actually re-sign Leonard? Because when Stan was asked about it on the conference call – you know, he didn't really want to get into it because now he's property of the Vegas Golden Knights. But if you begin to believe some of the things here, I, maybe just the, the team didn't think that Leonard was the answer long term. Yeah, look, we're talking about Robin Leonard a lot today. Obviously, huge trade. But I, I think at some point we're going to start talking about Corey Crawford because that's part of the reason he was able to be sent off. And it's good news for Corey. And, and if Vegas likes what they see out of Leonard, yeah, they definitely get a shot, and they'll try to get it done. And, and same thing with Chicago. If they like how Crawford plays the, the rest of the way. And, and look, I've written about this, and I've talked about this before. He really challenged Leonard a lot more than people thought he would for the net. I think a lot of people thought Leonard going to be the runaway starter, and he wasn't at all. Crawford factored into that a lot, just kind of retook the net again. Recently, maybe Leonard was out for precautionary reasons. Maybe he wasn't. But um, there's going to be a lot riding on how Crawford uh, runs with this opportunity. And when you look at, uh, you know, the Corey Crawford situation. Look, I think when we pull back at the end of this season, you know, goaltending was the strength of the team. There's a lot of areas that need improvement. So if you look at Corey Crawford and you say, all right, he's going to be 35 going on 36 here, uh, had a really good year, uh, was about as healthy as he's been in recent years. He's He's got roots here in Chicago. Uh, he's got a family now, and you could probably get him, you know, maybe around $5 million a year, which was far below, I think, what you would have gotten Leonard for, and you may do that as a, for a two- or a three-year commitment. 
then you're able to take the money you save uh, AAV-wise on your goaltender and spend that in other places on your team. Yeah, so if you look at it, and I think that's very reasonable, three years at $5 million, and, and I, I think – Corey Crawford would be receptive to that at the stage he is in his life and and where he is with his with his uh, family. Um, you know, Leonard by reports was asking upwards of eight million. So you're saving three million dollars a year over three years. That is substantial. I mean, that gets you, you know, a, at least a good third line player. Um, and, and if not, uh, maybe maybe a higher ca- caliber player. So I think in the scope of things. Um, and that's without the Blackhawks circling back and maybe trying to sign Robert Leonard. I think you can trust Corey Crawford for at least the next couple of years. Yeah, you could be signed for three years, um, and you're going to be in good shape. And, and you've saved a little bit of money, and now you can go out and you know add another piece. And it's not going to be a huge piece, but listen, we all know what it takes to get through a season, and you need those third and fourth line guys, and you need those role players. Are you comfortable, Jammer, with Corey being – the number one for the next couple of years for the Blackhawks? Yeah, I am. I think that, to me, it's it's going to be difficult. I know this sounds crazy for Corey to go from making $6 million to now you're going to say he's going to make five because he's the number one. Everyone's making more money around the league. Number one goalies are making more than five. I think it's more realistic to suggest that his AAV will be six, just like it is now, maybe on a three-year deal that's 18, maybe the first two years are at seven. So the value the first two years are at seven. The last year is at four. And so do I think he can shoulder the load? Absolutely. I think he proved a lot of people wrong around the hockey world. I'm sure there was some nervousness in, in, in his own ability to get back to that level. I think he stumbled in, in a sense out of the gate. Let's, let's not forget, this is the first time he's had a legit 1B in the room, demanding, boisterous, big personality in the dressing room. He's not that guy. Corey's more of a quiet, I'll show you on the ice kind of guy, and more quiet in that sense. So Biggest competition since Ray Emery, right? Yeah, but not just that, even personality-wise. So you had to kind of navigate through how is he going to fit into the room and how am I going to find right. my place in the room. That's a good point. And, and, and this also, guy was a real strong figure, and he kind of had to... Yeah, he has to navigate through that, and that might have f- affected Corey's play in some respects. Not, not that he was worried about Robin Leonard, even. Maybe he was, but... He's a big guy. He's a strong. He's a boisterous person and a big personality. So, I give Corey credit too. He found his way as he always does when he's challenged. And uh, you know, he's the guy. And there was concern about obviously about his health. I think he's put those things to rest, and now we can move forward. So about an hour before the deadline, they moved defenseman Eric Gustafson to Calgary for a third-round pick. Uh, Gustafson, 27, is going to become an unrestricted free agent when the season is over. Of course, last year he was one of only six defensemen to reach 60 points. This year he had 26 points in 59 games. Scott, I'll start with you on this one. The defenseman market uh, really kind of started a week ago. And there are about seven guys, seven D-men that were moved. And, and it's different situations because, again, you know, Gus was, is, a, is a rental. You know, Alec Martinez had one year left on his deal, and he garnered two second-round picks when the Kings and Vegas made that deal. So, you know, there's not exactly total apples-to-apples comparison out there, but do you think all the movement with all the D-men maybe hurt the market a little bit for Gustafson? And it was even brought up on the conference call, maybe the way 
Gus has played in the last couple of weeks didn't exactly hurt help his trade value. Yeah, for sure. I think the movement in front of him didn't help the Hawks uh, get a better return, you know, a third-round pick from the Flames. I, you know, I think they, they probably could have moved him this summer for a first-round pick, maybe maybe easily, and, and that would have been uh, a lot better for him. But can I just jump in there, and that's a, va- a valid point, and I think most people would say, look, uh, you know, coming off a, a 60-point year and uh, the production he had and having a full year left on his deal, you, of course— I think you would have got a number a number one uh, draft choice, a draft pick. But the goal for this team this year was to make the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I think they put that ahead of a longer term thought of you know the value on Gustafson. They thought this guy was the quarterback of our power play. He played a vital part uh, in our success last year, and again, it wasn't a successful run because they didn't get to the playoffs. We want to get there. We're going to need Gustafson. If we're out, that's when we'll decide to move him. So I'm totally with you, but I think they chose trying to make the playoffs over – the most they could get for Gus. Of course, yeah. I'm talking in hindsight. Right. You know, they, they get they get Leonard, even Mata, and, and they get Kelvin Hahn, who probably would have been one of their best defensemen this year. They did think they were a playoff team heading in and out, and and they didn't see they didn't see this kind of dip in production coming. Like you said, 60 points last year. So yeah, I mean, a third round pick. It's it's kind of a shame in. And in seeing where they are now, you're seeing teams in the Pacific like the Oilers and, and Vegas, you know, top two teams there, kind of just adding to make a good run. And that's, you know, that's where the Hawks used to be. And it's clearly not the case now, maybe even a little bit desperate in some of their returns. You know, it surprised me because, and it was, I guess, a little over a week ago, Andy Green went from, <clears throat> excuse me, from Jersey. And he's a different defenseman altogether than, than Eric Gustafson. But, you know, he's an older guy. He's on an expiring contract at a bigger number. And they got a second-round pick, and they got a prospect, a decent prospect, too, from the New York Islanders. So, you know, as soon as I saw that, I thought, that's great. They're going to get at least a second. And, you know, I think the longer it went, uh, the less the return. So the problem was, let's say a week ago, two weeks ago, there were more teams – thinking they were going to make the playoffs. And, you know, today by the deals that Minnesota made, you realize they don't think they're going to make it. Um, who else was in the mix there? I, Buffalo actually made a deal where they, I think they still think they're in it because they were adding today, which really surprised me. Um, but there were more teams that that's they a, thought. That's a guy, sorry, that's a guy trying to save, save his job. In, in Billy Guerin? In, in uh, Botterill. Oh, oh, in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's a good point, too. That's a good point. Um, but. You know, so when when there's more teams thinking they can make the playoffs, which there were, you know, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, I, I think that helps jack up the price too. So after the trade deadline passed, our Blackhawks insider Charlie Romeliotos, who is with the team in St. Louis, he went one on one with Stan Bowman. All right. Well, we're here with uh, Blackhawks GM Stan Bowman after the trade deadline. Busy, busy day, Stan. How would you assess how the day went for you? It was very busy. Uh, we were working it right until it was probably the last, within the last hour before we closed the two deals. And uh, those are things we had talked about uh, for several days leading up to it. Um, sometimes you think deals happen fast, and these ones seem to take a long time. And I think across the league, guys tend to wait till the deadline's closer. And uh, when you think you have a deal, you know, guys can pull back and change their minds. So, just happy that we got it to the finish line. And um, it was important to try to recoup a couple of assets for uh, two players that uh, were unrestricted free agents. So that's the way our business works is you've got players and 
you, the team has rights and some players you have signed beyond this year. Some players you have their rights no matter what and other players have the potential to walk away. So we had to try to capitalize on their value and uh, that was the goal coming into today. Obviously, Eric Gustafson was held out of the lineup. So that was kind of we expected. How quickly did the Robin Leonard trade go down? Obviously, that came in the final hour as well. Yes, that's right. We we had some conversations certainly leading up to today. Um, wasn't sure which way it was going to go. Uh, with Eric, we we had you know some teams that approached us. There were you know, several teams that were interested in him. So I think it was really out of um, safety to make sure that uh, preserving that uh, he didn't get injured. Uh, we knew that uh, we probably would come to a deal with him. So that was why we held him out. Uh, but with Robin, there, there was interest, and I think it just took a t- some time uh, to get to the end with Vegas, ultimately. Um, you know, we spoke to some other teams, but it was apparent that Vegas was the team that had the most interest. Obviously, the rental market wasn't, isn't really what it used to be, where, where teams are throwing around first-round picks. Was that difficult? What was the rental market? This like, because all the first-round picks that were moved were players with term. I think you're seeing that a little bit more often. Um, you know, it's hard to part with a first-round pick, and I think the guys who know they're going to have the player uh, next year, and some of them actually extended guys to, I think the Islanders signed Peugeot to a long-term deal. Uh, so I think then, as a team, you have a little bit more uh, comfort knowing that you're you're giving a big asset, but you're going to have the player for at least one or two or multiple years, and I think that's what our game has become. Um, draft picks are valuable. Um, a lot of teams aren't willing to part with them certainly not easily and that's what the negotiation is for and um, we're able to acquire a a second and a third and a prospect in these two deals and I think that's important because that's where most of the players come from is the top couple rounds of the draft Um, you you look back historically and um, certainly you have players from the later rounds that make it um, but the vast majority of the players are coming early in the draft. So to have um, right now, we didn't have a second coming into today. We do have two thirds. Um, you're positioned pretty well to get some good assets. You obviously mentioned that the draft value and recouping some of those assets. How important was it, and both for the short term and the long term? Very important. Uh, the draft and the, the young players are the lifeblood of your team, and um, you're you're trying to balance the present with the future. Uh, certainly when you trade players away, it, it's hard to do, and I understand uh, it's a challenge, uh, and you, you have to make some hard decisions. But when you choose to do that and go down that road, I think you have to bring back some pieces that, uh, more than one piece that can help you in years to come. And we feel good that getting a, a second and a third and a prospect um, is going to help um, take us where we need to get to over the coming years. I'm sure you miss the days of being a buyer, but do you feel like you're better position now going forward both in the long term and short term yeah i think certainly in the long term i think that's the balance you know in the short term when you trade players away and you get either prospects or draft picks it um it, may, it can make it challenging but you know i think in goal Corey's played dynamite the last you know couple months he's been outstanding so you know we do have um, a very strong goalie right now um, we had the luxury of having two strong goalies all year long so now um, and we do have another goal, you know, with Malcolm coming in, we'll get him in here and get him up to speed. So um, I think the the long-term picture looks much better, and I think our draft grid and our 
prospect pool adding a young defenseman uh, who's 19 years old and um, has really shown some steps forward this year. You know, we've had a lot of experience with the Denver program with Ian Mitchell being there, and um, I'm impressed with Slava's play. Uh, you know, he's jumped out at me a couple times when I've gone to watch Ian. I've noticed him without going there to watch him. He, he, he catches your eye, and um, I think he's a player that's going to uh, be an important guy for us down the road. So um, that was a nice piece of it as well. Our thanks to Charlie and Stan for that. All right, so... They make the two moves. There were there were some moves that they didn't make, and when some of the rumors came out afterwards, uh, there was one that said Boston was uh, in discussions with the Blackhawks about Brandon Saad, and it was a multiplayer, multi-picks type of deal involving a roster player currently with the Bruins. That doesn't come to fruition. Uh, we also heard Stan talk about uh, some RFAs, that were uh, also being discussed as well. He wouldn't elaborate on any other deals that he had going on. So they make the two deals. Guys like Brandon Saad, Dylan Strom, and others are all staying put. As you take a look at it, you know how do you evaluate this trade deadline day? I mean, uh, certainly the team. These are days that, that that are a little foreign to this this team. And for the for the better part of a decade, they've been buyers, and that's part of the reason why they are they are in this spot right now because they were giving away the second round and first round picks right. for Antoine Vermets and Andrew Ladd's second go around and so on and so forth. And that's you know now is when some of those players might be producing in the National Hockey League. But overall, how would you assess? the trade deadline day 2020 for the Hawks? Well, you know, I'm a fan first and foremost, and I want to win now. And so you put everything in short-term perspective. I think Stan even talked about that. But as a general manager, he's got to be thinking two and three and and sometimes even five years down the road. And it's hard to comprehend, but that's that's the kind of reality that they live in. And and, and that's, those are the terms that they think in. So, um, you know, in, in those uh, you put it in that framework, uh, all of a sudden some of these draft picks could turn out to be, um, you know, an Alex Dabrinkit or, you know, a, a first rounder who, you know, surprises everyone. And I know it's not going to be a high first round, but it'll be a half decent pick. And apparently the first round of next year's, uh, well, it's going to be this year's draft now, the 2020 draft is going to be very strong. So I think the more picks you have, um, and I think. Uh, Giz mentioned that we've got seven picks, is it? I think so, yeah. Seven picks. Uh, you know, we recouped the, the second-round pick that we lost uh, to Montreal in the Andrew Shaw deal, which obviously is very important. From the Leonard deal? Yes. Yeah, yeah. and then, you know, I, I think a couple thirds in there too. So, hey, they're all, those are all going to be, you know, viable players. Give them a little bit of time. So, you know, I think at first blush I was a little disappointed. I thought we were going to maybe be able to pull in a little more. Um, but, you know, looking back on it now, because there weren't quite as many buyers as I thought there was going to be, um, you know, the Blackhawks did okay. And, and who's to say they can't go back if they really wanted to and, and take another look at Gus and, and Robin Leonard um, if they don't get re-signed. Yeah, if you really think that report – and, again, the, I, Mark Lazarus is one of the best reporters we have on the Blackhawks beat. I am not, <laughs> not second-guessing uh, his information at all. I'm guessing the source, uh, wondering if that's uh, trying to – uh, oh, I don't know, make the team look bad or something like that because, you know, two months ago, Robin Leonard's like, I'm not taking it. it, it, it it's odd to me to think that he would say, I'm going to take a three-year deal uh, to stay in Chicago. But, but again, 
We'll see how things play out in Vegas. They've got a great one-two punch now with Andre Fleury, and we'll we'll see how that plays out. And you know, who knows? They could revisit it. Overall, how would you assess Jammer trade deadline day from the Blackhawks' perspective? Yeah, quite the same. I look in more like immediate results and immediate. I think initially a little disappointed that you're not getting back players and bodies. Yeah, when you make trades, but certainly understand and appreciate that the market is what it is. A house isn't what you think it's worth. It's what someone will pay for it. So the market is what it is, and, and at the end of the day, Stan and his staff did the best job possible not to completely lose an asset that they, they were not going to be able to sign. So, And you're absolutely right, Steve. These young players, it's not like 20, 30 years ago. These young players... A lot of times, and you're going to even see more and more of them, surprises in the second and third round. That's why these picks are even more important. These kids are ready after one year in the minors, some of them. And so, you know, I'm excited for that, that it's really not that far away, that there really is uh, young players that are 18, 19, that in two years will be really good NHL players. The hope is that you draft the right ones and you develop them properly and you can turn your team around really quickly. Scotty? Yeah, for me, I'm circling uh, Slava Demon's name, and that's, that's really going to – tell I guess how this deadline worked out or especially the Leonard trade uh, you know University of Denver defenseman plays with Ian Mitchell initial reports on him he's big he's mobile and you know I think we've already gotten enough mobile defensemen that can carry the puck so hopefully he uses his size and can play a, a defensive minded game as well all right so now we take a step back and I'm gonna ask the former players this question because last year when no moves were made at the deadline uh, there was some talk that some of the guys were bummed because they they felt they uh, had gone on a run to get back in the conversation. Again, they were in it very briefly, much like uh, this season as well. But you know they're going to look around and say, we're not better today than we were yesterday, losing Gustafson and losing our uh, another 1A or 1B goalie, depending on how you look at it. So there's going to be an impact on that dressing room. How do you think the players are going to view what happened on trade deadline day? And what can the organization do maybe to share some information with those core guys to say, hey, this is the plan. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And again, if you're not totally into this, then maybe this offseason we can revisit ways to make you happy because we – we respect what you've done for this organization, and if we're in a three- or four-year rebuild and, and you don't think that's what you want to be a part of, then let's try to make things work on both sides. Yeah, uh, you know, great question. I think first and foremost, they're disappointed because they realize the team was sellers, so that means you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. They probably won't make the playoffs, and I think they're, they're realistic enough to know that Hey, can we pick up thirty the last forty points? And you know that's playing basically seven fifty hockey, and, and you know they they can't do that. So, you know that being said, I think what they realize is they will have some future assets. They will have some guys like an Adam Boquist and and like a, a Kirby Doc who might be able to come in right away and make a difference on the team. And that's the other thing because you know now you've gotten rid of a couple of guys. Uh, you know, and, and I know that Gus wasn't playing the last couple of games, but you get to see what a Lucas Carlson has, and and he really impressed me. And it, he, that might be just a one-off and it, it just a great game because he was so hyped to play in his first NHL game. But he was really, really good. So I mean, I, I think it's a great size sign. And so what that's done is 
you know, there's there's going to be positions available that guys are going to be auditioning for and, and guys are going to be playing for. And, uh, you know, Zach Smith will eventually come back into the lineup. But, um, you know, these guys will be pushing each other. Will the, will the team share with, with the core guys what their plan is? I think definitely. And, and I think that's one thing that Stan has done and, and even John McDonough, too, is they've been very transparent with the team. And, and hey, listen, I'm, I'm sure they're going to some of the leaders and saying, what do you think we need? Because, you know, if I'm a GM – I want to know from the guys who are in, in, in the trenches, what do you think we need? Where can we improve? And, you know, do you think it'll get us over the hump? Um, because I think nobody knows better than a Jonathan Taves. I think nobody knows better than a Patrick Kane what they need right now. And uh, those are the guys I'd be tapping. And, you know, share your experience, share your knowledge, share what you think we should do. And I think that's going to make the team better too. I think it's imperative. And, uh, you know, any time I've been around teams that have had success, it's been because they've, they've had some element of friction. And friction is okay. It doesn't mean you don't respect each other. So in that respect, I expect management to go to the leadership group and have some, have some words about what the vision is, what it looks like, what it looks like for them individually. And maybe there's some contentious conversations that occur. And that's okay. Because as long as the respect is there, the goal is the same and the goal is to push things forward and get it to and back to another level. And you're absolutely right, Pat. If they're not on board and they don't want to be a part of that, then they, do, they shouldn't be here. Yeah. And I know that sounds terrible, but that's the reality of professional right. sports because it's about winning. It's not about making friends you can have for life. Hopefully you make memories that you have for life with people that you won with and they become your friends, but it's about winning. And so those difficult conversations are going to have to, have to, have to happen it's going to take some time, but this can be turned around very quickly. But you're absolutely correct. They have to be on board. And if they don't like it, there's not much else you can do. So that's a wrap on this edition of the Blackhawks Talk podcast, all about the NHL trade deadline. My thanks to Steve, Jammer, Scott, Charlie in St. Louis, Stan Bowman as well. Thank you for listening. As always, I'm Pat Boyle. We'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.